everyone. So can I share you with you some advice that I've been given recently? Feel free to tell me yours as well. Number one, never eat yellow snow. That was relevant yesterday, wasn't it? Um, Daniel, you got some advice? Be helpful. Great advice. Better than my yellow snow one. Um, another one was um, that I heard recently. Don't bother making your own Yorkshire puddings. Buy them from the shop. Anyone agree with that? Yeah, yeah. Caroline agrees. Um, what were some others that I heard recently? Um, oh, prepare all your veg in advance. Who does that? Yeah? We've got some prepare, advanced preparers. No, not now. If you do it now, Sean, they'll be mouldy by Christmas. Wait till Christmas Eve, yeah. Save yourself. Um, one bit of advice that I would like to tell you that I have um, learnt the hard way is this. If it's broken, fix it or bin it. Don't do what I do and just shove it back into storage ready for next year. I tell you this because one of my favourite times of year is Advent and the run-up to Advent. And the run-up to Advent here involves us getting this place ready for Christmas. Um, so every year we get the Christmas decorations down, I get them all out. And then I remember that last year I said, I must fix that and I must fix that because it's broken. But do I fix it? No. I put it back in the loft and then next year we get it out again and I go, oh, I was meant to fix it, but I never do. So the trick is, if it's broken, don't shove it back in the loft ready for next year. Fix it or bin it. I, it seems that this is a, like, a pattern in my life where when things are broken, I don't bother fixing it because at the start of this year, uh, one day I opened up my laptop screen and it was broke. I don't know who did it overnight. I don't know who miraculously broke it, but for some reason when I opened the laptop, it was broke. There was like a crack all the way down the screen and then around the crack, it was like stars and lines. And basically I could use the tiny corner of the screen to see what I needed. Um, but instead of fixing it, I just went, I'll deal with it next week. And the next week came and went, I'll deal with it next month. And gradually people would like, if they were in my office or looking at something on my screen or in a meeting together, they'd look at my screen and go, Lois, is your screen all right? And I was like, no, it's broke, but I'm actually fine. I'm getting used to it. And they were like, for goodness sake, would you just go and repair it? And I was like, but... A, that'll take ages. B, I can't really afford it. C, it's just inconvenient. Like, what if they send my laptop off? What will I do? Um, and D, um, I just keep forgetting. And then, like, three months went by, four months went by, five months went by, and I realised I'd just adjusted to it. I'd gotten used to the brokenness, and I'd adapted my way of working to make it work, because adjusting to brokenness was easier than fixing the problem. And as I was asking God, what do you uh, want me to share today? And I was thinking, you want me to share a nativity message, don't you? It's going to be so festive and Christmassy. And then he was like, no, Lois, no. What you need to do is tell people about how you often in your life adjust to brokenness. Because doing the repair work seems too difficult. And I believe that this isn't just a message for me today. But God wants to say to someone... Let's stop adjusting to brokenness in our lives. Let's do the repair work. Even though it's difficult, and even though it's time consuming, and even though it can be costly and inconvenient, let's commit to repairing what's broken. Let's not settle for things that are broken.
Because you know what happens if you live life like me, where you shove broken decorations back in the loft, and where if you refuse to, bro to um, fix broken screens, do you know what happens when we don't fix anything? Nothing. Nothing happens. Nothing changes, nothing grows, nothing improves, nothing gets better, nothing happens. And I believe God's got more for us than nothing. God has got growth for us. God has got healing for us. God has got repair and rebuilding for us. God has got more for us than just staying in a place of brokenness. So I wonder whether today God wants to say, when it comes to the brokenness in our lives, let's not settle for adjusting to the brokenness. Let's not settle for making do, for burying our heads in the sand, for saying, we'll get to it next year. Let's do the work today. And I believe as we commit to doing the work today, to repairing what's broken, we are going to make steps towards healing and towards change and towards wholeness. So the title for the message today is The Repair Shop. Welcome to my repair shop. God is inviting someone today into his repair shop. And um, I'm really bad for waiting for New Year's resolutions as an excuse to repair things. Like the amount of times I said that I'm going to uh, train for a marathon and I'll do it in January, I say. And January comes. The amount of times that I say I'll change a habit or I'll take up this or I'll start learning an instrument in January because New Year's resolutions are a great excuse. But you know what? We don't have to wait for New Year to make these resolutions and to make changes. We can start today. So I'm imagining it's not a broken laptop screen. But I wonder what is the brokenness in your life. And by brokenness, I am not calling you broken. I am saying that none of us are perfect and that in each of our lives, there will be something that just isn't right, that isn't sitting right, that isn't going well. There is something in all of us. Maybe it's something that you know at this time of year, it rears its ugly head and it gets worse than ever. Maybe at this time of year, there's... Um, you realize that actually there is an addiction in you. Maybe at this time of year, you realize about the broken relationships around your family table. Maybe at this time of year, you realize that there is some brokenness with anger. Maybe for you, it's jealousy or it's greed. And at this time of year, you just find it hard to squash it. And maybe at this time of year, and I say this sensitively, feeling like the Holy Spirit prompted me with this one, um, maybe for you this time of year brings up an eating disorder for you, or maybe there is a brokenness in um, community and connection for you, and you know that for you, there is a loneliness deep inside of you. Today, we're going to look at a story in the Bible about someone who saw what was broken and chose to do the repair work to fix it. We're going to look in the Bible in the Old Testament, the first part of the Bible, in a book called Nehemiah. And Nehemiah was a man who <coughs> worked for a king in Persia. The king was called Artaxerxes, I think, because there's lots of X's and I never know how to say it, but it's a cool name. I'd quite like it, so in January I might change my name. Um, so Nehemiah worked in Persia, but Nehemiah's homeland was Jerusalem. That was where his roots were. And Nehemiah hears that Jerusalem was falling apart. The wall that had surrounded this city had fallen down. 
the place was a mess. The people were broken. It was not good news for Jerusalem because this wall was broken down. And although Nehemiah was all the way over here in Persia, when he heard about what was going on here in Jerusalem, his heart broke and he was like, I can't stay here. I've got to go and do something about it. I'm just going to read for you um, a couple of verses, but because the story spans over a few chapters in Nehemiah, I really encourage you to go home and read about it, study it, and learn from it today, and continue looking at this story. But this is where it starts. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 3 says this, Those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. So these people in Jerusalem, they are in trouble and they are in disgrace because the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. Now, Nehemiah over here in Persia, what he could have done when he heard this news is he could have looked over there at Jerusalem and he could have thought, someone else can fix that. He could have looked over here, uh, could have been over here and he could have thought to himself, I'll get to that another time. He could have thought to himself, that's somebody else's problem. He could have thought to himself, that wall is a big wall, and I'm not sure if I'm the man to fix it. But Nehemiah didn't say any of that. What Nehemiah did was he saw what was broken, and he said, prompted by God, he said, I need to fix that. I know what's broken, and I need to go to Jerusalem I need to make the journey from Persia to Jerusalem and begin the repair work. Verse 17 of Nehemiah chapter 1 says this, Then I said to them, you see the trouble we're in? He's talking to the people in Jerusalem here. He says, you see the trouble we're in? Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. So come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem so that we'll no longer be in disgrace. Nehemiah's job that, and the repair work that he had to do obviously was physical. It was a practical job. He literally needed to rebuild a wall, and the chances are that it's not a, re, not a wall that you need to rebuild. It might not be a physical brokenness that you need to deal with. It might be spiritual, emotional, relational. But I think that in this story, we see three tools that Nehemiah used in his repair work that we can apply to whatever the broken situation is that we need to repair. And as I've got my toolkit today, I have no idea what's even in a toolkit. What is in a toolkit? What? Right. I'm thinking when Nehemiah went to build a wall, he maybe took some spanners. Would you use... Is that a spanner? <laughs> Tricked you. Okay. I'm... At, right. So we'll maybe not take a spanner. Um, oh, yeah. Pliers. Uh, would he have used a hammer? Probably. Would he have... Oh, hang on. They've locked me out. Is this automatic in your black? You can't get in it. You see, I can't eat. There we are. My jumper was stuck in it. Um, do you think Nehemiah might have... Oh, wait for it. Is that a spanner? Adjustable wrench. Adjustable wrench. An adjustable wrench. Let's assume that that's the toolkit. Would Actually, genuinely, what would people have used for a toolkit back in the day? Probably not an adjustable wrench to fix the wall. When it comes to you and your brokenness, let me suggest that you maybe don't use a spanner, pliers, an adjustable wrench, or a hammer. But there is three tools that Nehemiah did use. We see it in this story, and they are this. Confession, community, and consistency. Confession, community, and consistency was in Nehemiah's toolkit. 
and it is what we need for a successful repair job. The first one is confession, and I would just like to start with a confession. It's always good to lead by example, isn't it? Um, confession is admitting when something's broken, or admitting when something's wrong, or admitting when you've done something wrong. So on Wednesday, I was doing the heating, and I might have not had my glasses on. So I might have put the heating on for next Sunday and not this Sunday. So I would like to confess that it's very cold in this room because of me. I'd like to um, apply formally for your forgiveness and your grace and your mercy. Um, and I'd like to thank you all for wearing an extra coat today. Um, confession isn't always easy because often it comes with some comeback. Often it takes us swallowing our pride. But confession involves us acknowledging what is broken. Sometimes it is our fault. Sometimes it's just about acknowledging the situation that was around us. For Nehemiah, he was over here in Persia, and no, the broken wall in Jerusalem wasn't his fault. But what Nehemiah did was he spent time acknowledging what was broken. He recognized what needed to be done. He recognized the sins of people. He recognized that it was time that he brought these things to God and he was honest about it. Nehemiah named the problem and I know that in my life so often what I do is I skirt around a subject refusing to name the problem that is going on, refusing to name the issue that is in me, the brokenness that is in me because naming it is scary and we can be afraid sometimes to give our addiction a name or our problem a name but what Nehemiah shows us is that we've got to be honest about it. The first tool in his toolkit was confession. It was acknowledging the problem and saying, I'm not going to cover it up. I'm not going to pass the blame. I'm not going to pretend that it doesn't exist. I'm going to talk to God about what is broken. And I wonder if there is um, time that you could carve out for you and God to just be honest about what is broken. And hey, it might hurt and it might be awkward, but we can confess these things to God. We can bring our brokenness to him and we can tell him, hey God, there's some things that are in me that need addressing. So can I encourage you to be honest with God? Start the repair work with confession. I know the laptop screen was a trivial example, um, but it really wasn't until I was like, this is really bad. This, I actually can't work anymore. It wasn't until I got to that place that I realized I needed to do some repair work. So confession is the first in his toolkit. The second one is community. Nehemiah chapter three is a long list of all the people that helped Nehemiah with the repair work. I won't bore you with it because I, actually, that's so wrong to say that. The Bible is not boring. I take that back. I won't read it because we'll be here until Christmas Day. But what it proves is that Nehemiah didn't do the repair work alone. He did it with someone. He invited his community into the repair work. Can I encourage you to not do it alone? Repair work is hard. Doing the repair work and our brokenness will be tough sometimes. So tell a friend or tell your partner or tell your connect group leader or come to one of us on a Sunday and tell us or get into a community with someone, tell someone that you trust, or walk it through with a professional if you need to. Tell a doctor, or tell a counselor, or tell a therapist. Tell somebody, because we have got to do these things in community. 
when you are um, inviting someone into the repair shop with you, it's not that you're telling everyone your business. It's not that you are telling the whole world. It's about saying to someone, I need you to pray for me. I need you to listen. I need you to maybe send me a text every now and again because this is hard. There's this old saying, I think it is an African proverb. It says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. So if you want a patch-up job, if you want just a quick fix to your addiction issues or your eating disorder or your feelings of loneliness or your anger or your greed, then by all means, go it alone. But if you want deep, real transformation, if you want to be set free from these things, if you want like genuine life change, can I encourage you to let someone in and to do it with someone? Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 18 says this, once he'd said, come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. He then says, I also told them about the gracious hand of God on me and what the king had said to me. And they replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work, us and they. He wasn't alone. He did it with people. He brought people in and they did the repair work together. So tool number one, confession. Tool number two, community. Tool number three is consistency. And like spoiler alert, whatever the repair work that you need to do in your relationships or in your spiritual life or your emotional life or physical life, whatever it is, it's going to be hard. It is going to be tough. Change and growth and healing, they don't come easy. It will be sometimes uncomfortable and expensive and inconvenient. And that was the same for Nehemiah. He had opposition all around him. People that were doing the work with him moaned to him. People that were against him were opposing him. He had opposi opposition from all around and obstacles from all sides. But chapter 4 says, um, chapter 4 is an example of that. But what it shows is, is that Nehemiah stayed consistent through obstacles and opposition. Nehemiah stayed consistent. He saw the repair work through. So for a successful trip to the repair shop, we need to be consistent. You'll have to keep doing the repair work when you feel like giving up. You'll have to keep doing the repair work when you just want to go back to your old habits and your old thought patterns and your old ways of life. You'll have to, start, you'll have to stay consistent when it feels really, really tough. You'll have to stay consistent when temptation seems so appealing. But press on. Stay consistent. Don't give up. Don't stop doing the repair work that you need because I promise you, even if it's inch by inch, even if it's day by day, you will be making progress towards change and towards healing and towards repair and towards growth and towards wholeness. So when the enemy throws distraction and temptation your way, stay consistent. When people throw the easy route out, stay consistent. When life just like throws your lemons, stay consistent. That is what Nehemiah shows us how to do. Nehemiah's um, repair job was to rebuild a wall, but it wasn't just a wall. The cultural and spiritual significance of the wall around this city and the people in it was greater than he had ever anticipated. And I believe that as you choose and commit to doing the repair work in your brokenness, it is going to be more significant than you could ever even imagine. 
just to tell you like a little tiny glimpse of my story, um, a few years ago, I felt like uh, I felt like the wall of Jerusalem totally knocked down, um, just felt beat. Um, and combined with like loads of other factors, I knew that I needed some deep, deep repair work to go on. There was like thoughts and behavior patterns and I just needed to repair them. They were broken. Um, and I wanted to be repaired, but honestly, I didn't really want to do the repair work because repair work is hard. I knew that there was things that needed to be changed in here and in here. Um, and if I'm honest, I didn't want to confess what was going on. I didn't want to be honest. I didn't want to invite people in. I didn't want to be consistent. But God was so gracious. And I have learned, um, and I don't say this because I am saying that I'm repaired and I'm a work of art. I don't say that at all. I say this knowing what it's like to be stood in your brokenness and go, that repair work looks too hard. I know what it's like to look at the thing that is broken in you and go, I think I might just keep it broken. Because to bring this to the repair shop is going to be painful. It's going to be costly. It's going to be time-consuming. And I'm not sure I'm ready, but I promise you, I promise you that you can do it. I promise you that the brokenness you are in today, God is right there with you. And if you could commit to being honest with him, if you can commit to bringing other people into your journey, a trusted friend, if you can commit to being consistent, I promise you, you can get to the other side of the wall. I promise you that you can see repair work because I have walked it and continue to walk it. And there is hope for you. I had uh, just, like, I just thought that God needed to do a bit of repair work in my mind and in my thought pattern, but what I never anticipated was how much he would do for me. As I brought myself to the repair shop, he opened doors of opportunity. He set things free for me. He gave me new hope and new life and new opportunity. And God will do that for you today. God will do that for you today. It took Nehemiah um, 52 days to rebuild the wall. It like, probably will be more like 52 years for me. And that's okay. Because we are going to stay consistent. We are going to keep going, even when it's tough. And listen, I wasn't always honest, about, honest to God about what was broken. But I learned that I could be. I learned that it was okay for me to be angry with him, to tell him how I feel, to tell him how sad I was. I learned that letting one or two people in to ugly cry with me was okay. And I learned that even if I didn't get it always right, it was enough to keep on trying and bring consistency. I wonder if you'd stand with me. You will know what it is that is uh, in your life that feels broken, that feels like it needs some repair. Maybe it's something that has been in you for years and years and you've never been able to name it. I really believe that God wants you to know there is nothing beyond God's repair. There is nothing too broken for him. There is nothing God can't do. 
He can do more than you could ever ask or ever imagine. That's who God is. He takes what's broken and he repairs us from the inside out when we invite him into it. And there's this verse that's been on my heart this week and um, I think it's for someone. It says this, it's Philippians 1 verse 6. It might come up. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And I believe someone thinks that maybe at some point you've started some repair work, but you never saw it through. I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to tell you today, it's time to bring it to completion. It's time to carry it on. It's time to pick up where you left off. Because God wants to do some deep, life-changing repair work in you.